So many times I've questioned certain circumstances and things I could not understand. Many times in trials, weakness blurred my vision. My frustration gets so out of hand. But then I am reminded I've never been forsaken. I've never had to stand the test alone. When I look at all the victories, the spirit rises up in me. It's through the fire my weakness is made strong. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy and the road would not be hard to climb. He never offered victory without fighting, but he said help will always come in time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in just hold on the lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again i know within myself that i would surely perish but if I trust the hand of God, you'll shield the flames again. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy, or the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victory without fighting, but he said help will surely come in. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in, just hold on, the Lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again, oh hold on, he'll surely show I know you're not supposed to have favorites, right? But I have favorite cousin. But don't tell my other cousins that this is my favorite. But Ginny and I have been really close. And since she got saved a number of years ago and brought Mike with her and Jessica, I love them so much. And we just thank the Lord for them. And wasn't that a beautiful song? The Lord shows up. You know, you imagine the days of the Old West. On one side, you had one person, maybe the sheriff, and he's going to have a showdown with the, with the bad guy. Well, the, the devil's the bad guy, and, and we're the ones that the devil wants to attack, and Jesus comes and stands right in between us and the devil, and the devil backs down and walks away. Isn't that beautiful to know? 
that when we follow Christ and accept him as our Savior, that he's with us all along the path of life. We're going to have trials. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have death. But he's with us all along the journey. And we thank the Lord that soon he's going to come back and take us to be with himself. Amen? Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Thank God. Shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we're all on a journey to heaven. We're pilgrims, Lord, and we're heading home. But until then, there's going to be some dark times. There's going to be some difficult times. There's going to be some struggles. There, there's going to be some trials. And we thank you that you're with us, Lord. We have decided to follow you with no turning back. And we pray that you will bless us today from your word. Take the word of God and speak through it, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Please indeed hide me behind the cross and just pray that you will be seen today and glorified, Lord Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen. You know, two of the most powerful words in all the Bible are found in the gospel records. And they were spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ some seven different times to different individuals. And those two words are, follow me. It was a message that was personal to each and every one of the disciples. When God called them through the Lord Jesus, he said, follow me. He said these words to Peter. He said them to James and to John. They were all there. And he said them to Matthew, who we're going to look at today. And the question is, has, have you responded to his call? Follow me. Follow me. Can you imagine if the Lord Jesus Christ were to come this morning and he came walking through that door? And we knew it was the Savior, and in he came. And he sat down next to you, and he looked you in the eye, and he said with tenderness and love and, and joy, he said, follow me. Wouldn't you just fall down flat on your face and just cry and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. And then he would help you up and say, come on, let's walk together. Follow me. That's what a life of following Christ is all about. It's an intimate, personal relationship that we each one have with the Lord. Now, he loves us all, and he has a relationship with us as a church and so forth, and as the church throughout the world, but he has a personal relationship with each individual who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And really, when you think about it, when the Lord speaks those words, follow me, the only reasonable and rational and right response you can have is say, yes, Lord. I will follow you. And that's the commitment that the Lord wants us to have today. Sometimes it's hard to follow him. Sometimes the devil is whispering in our ears. Sometimes the world is luring us for different things. And Jesus says, come on, walk this way. Follow me. It's like a verse in the Old Testament says, I heard a voice behind me saying, here is the way, walk in it. And every day you're going to hear the voice of the Lord say, here's the way, follow me, walk in it. The world says, come over here and follow me. You'll have good times. You'll have pleasures. You'll have all these things. The devil is always doing that. But don't listen. Don't listen to those voices. Listen to the one voice, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he speaks to us through his word. And what a blessing it is to know that we can follow Christ. The title of our message is just simply, Follow Me. Turn with me, if you would, over to the gospel according to Luke, the fourth chapter. Luke chapter 4. And we'll start reading at verse 27. Luke chapter 4 and verse 27. I was reading actually in the Gospel of Matthew, who is, this is, account is about him. And then I turned over to this portion in Luke that is a parallel passage and is such a blessing. 
As you study the Word of God, you can see how all these things fit together so beautifully. Luke chapter 4, verse 27. After these things, he, that is Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. May God bless the reading of his word. We're going to look at three things today, and they all begin with C, so hopefully we can remember them very well. First of all is the call to follow Christ. Secondly is the commitment to follow Christ. And third is the commission to follow Christ. I always like to look up words in the dictionary, but you look at the word follow, that's such an easy word, right? I probably don't even need to look it up or mention it, but guess what? It's got a great definition. The word follow can be defined as to come or go after in order to catch, chase, or pursue to take as a model, to act in accordance with, to imitate, to accept the authority of. When you think of that in the context of Christ, just think of that. We want to go after Christ. We want to follow him. We want to pursue him. We want to follow him as our role model, as our example. We want to imitate his life, and we want to accept his authority. That's what it means to follow Christ. It means all of those things and much more. It's a very simple message, but it's a very deep and challenging one to me and to all of us that the Lord wants us to follow him every single day. Not just we get saved and that's it. No, we get saved and then we follow him in our lives. We obey him. We walk with him every day. We talk with him every day. And he keeps us in the center of his will. Guess what? I found another word, and it's not in the spell check, but it's in the dictionary. It actually is in the spell check, but it didn't have, it has, is it is two words, and really it's, a, it's really one word, and the word is followership. Have you ever heard of that? We have about, we know about fellowship, but followership is the ability to follow a leader. So I ask you this morning, how is your followership with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you following him? in a close and personal way. There's a lady named Charlene Meyer, and she wrote one time, Lord, let it not be that I follow you merely for the sake of following a leader, but let me accept you as Lord and Master of every step that I take. And I thought about that. Is the Lord Jesus Master and Lord and King of every step that I take? I know Ada likes to use the phrase, I want to be on his plan. And he says when he gets up in the morning, and I know it's true, every day he says, Lord, I want to be on your plan today. And that's what it means to walk with him. That's what it means to follow him is you're on God's plan, not your own plan, not the world's plan, not the devil's plan. You're on God's plan. You're following in the Lord's steps. And that's what we want to do. Well, let's look at the first thing that we have this morning. It's the call to follow Christ. Can you imagine if you were Matthew, who's also called Levi, and you were sitting there in the tax office, and you've got all the money there, and you're putting it maybe in an envelope as they give it, as the people give it. And we all know the context of that. These tax gatherers were dishonest people. 
They worked for the Romans, though they were Jewish. They collected the taxes from them, and then they kept some of it for themselves. So let's say they, Mike and Jenny, they came as a family. Their tax bill is $25, so the tax gatherer says, I'm going to collect an extra $15 for me. So your bill is $40. So they write me out a bill check at $40. I give the Roman government $25. I keep $15 for myself. That's how they got rich at the expense of their own people. That's why they were hated so much by the people around them, Levi and Zacchaeus and all the other tax gatherers. But the Lord Jesus loved tax gatherers. He loved sinners. He loves us. And he calls us by name and says, follow me. And there he was sitting there at the tax gathering office, and he just all of a sudden left and followed Jesus. No turning back. And what a call it was. You know, it's amazing how many of us have caller ID. How many have caller ID on a, on a phone? Cell phone, home phone, work phone, caller ID. Now, if you get a call on the caller ID and it comes up with out of the area, do you answer that? Sometimes I don't. I've got them on two of my phones at home, and I, no, I'm not going to answer that telemarketer's call. No, 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 no. But if somebody calls me who loves me, like Sylvia or Adel or Bill or Jeff or whoever from the church or whatever, yes, I'm going to answer that call. But how about when Jesus calls? Do we answer him right away and say, yes, Lord, I'm here. I'm available for your service. You know that the Lord Jesus cares more about our availability than he does our ability? Because he says he doesn't care about our ability because, as much because he says, I'll give you the ability to do it if you're willing. If you're available and willing to serve me. That's why I love so many in this church who are willing at a drop of a hat to serve the Lord. Do you know Ginny wasn't scheduled to sing today? Guess who was scheduled? The choir was scheduled to sing. And so somebody picked up the phone, probably Sylvia, and said, Hey, Ginny, can you fill in? Yes. Because she's willing to follow the Lord. She's willing to substitute. She's willing to stand in the gap and serve the Lord. And the Lord loves that. And many of you are like that in ministries. You get a call to help out, to serve. That's what it means to follow the Lord in whatever he asks us to do. Yes, if Jesus calls, we don't put it on our answering machine. We don't postpone it. We listen to the call. And it's a call for salvation. Last Sunday, Ron made a very good gospel message and spoke it very clearly to us. And it was a call to come to Christ. It was an urgent call. It was a critical call to follow Christ. You know, in the White House, they have, I think, a red phone or whatever color it is. I think it's a red phone. And when that phone rings, it means it's something very, very serious in the world, and the president needs to get it. And so when we get a call, we get a call from the Lord Jesus. And he says, Cindy, I want you to do this for me. Brad, I, want you to, I need your help. Barbara, we need one of your poems. Whatever it is, follow me. Be ready. So that when the Lord calls, you're ready to serve him. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ, when he called people, he reminded them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who comes, he says, Without, unless you come to me, you shall not. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, about over 10 years ago now, it's been quite a while, back to 1991, I went and got a license plate, personalized plate, John 8.12. And I love it when people say, Dean, what is John 8.12? Whether it's at sponges where I go or different places, and I love to quote it, I said, John 8.12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, 
but she'll have the light of life. If you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have the light of life. You're going to have no darkness. You're going to have light. And he says, come to me for salvation. I will give you rest, as Ron said last week. And you know, salvation is not a difficult subject at all. We make it complicated. Man makes it complicated. But really, you can boil it down to the ABCs of salvation. A, acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you're lost, you're hopeless, you have no hope, and you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Commit your, your life to him because he bore your sins and punishment and pain on the cross. And C, commit your life to him. Walk with him, follow him all the days of your life. Is that hard? That's simple, right? A, B, C, the ABCs of salvation. But we start reasoning as human beings. We start saying, it's got to be more to it than that, Dean. I must have to do something. No, Christ did it all for us. And we just need to accept his finished work on the cross. And that's what Matthew did when the Lord called him. Notice what he does in verse 28. Three things. He left all, he rose up, and he followed him. I love that. I love that. He left it all. He left the money. He left the tax collecting business. He left it all. He didn't care what people said. I'm leaving it behind. And then it says he rose up. All of us who are downpressed because of sin, we have to rise up to follow the Lord. And he then is with us. And then he says, and he followed him. And it isn't a wonderful story about Matthew because Matthew became one of the, of the apostles, one of the disciples, and he went on to to be the writer of the first gospel, the gospel according to Matthew. All because he said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Can you imagine if, if uh, sitting at that tax collecting station one day, he said, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I've got this whole business established. Everything is straight. I, people despise me, yes, but I've got a circle of friends and so forth, and we, we're fine. And suppose he had not. Listen to the call. He didn't write the gospel. He wasn't a disciple. He didn't write the gospel. Guess what? The Lord would have rid, used somebody else in, that, in his place, but he would have missed the blessing and would have ended up in hell. But because he followed the Lord, he was saved, he was sanctified, he was separated from this world, and the Lord used him in a powerful way. Now contrast that with the rich young ruler. He came to the Lord one day and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? First mistake he made is there's nothing you can do to inherit it. But anyway, the Lord Jesus said, you know the commandments. And he quoted off some of these commandments. And then rich young lawyer thought, now wait a minute. I've done all those since I was a little boy. What else do I need to do? And the Lord looked at him. And it says in one version, it says, one of the accounts, he loved him. And he said to him, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. Now, keep in mind, that's not a criteria for every Christian. When you get saved, you have to give up all your money, your house, your car, your... No. But for that man, that one thing was standing between him and Christ was his money bag. And we've all seen those cartoons where the person's carrying this big, heavy money bag. It's heavy, and so that's what he was doing, and he couldn't enter in to that way because it says that straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life, and few are those who find it. You can't get in that narrow entry with that money bag or anything else that's keeping you back from Christ. And so that rich young ruler, it says, hung his head, went away sad, it says, because he had many riches. He was not willing to give it up. You know, the devil is constantly lying to us 
to us as a, as a people, as a human race, that if you give up, you're going to give up certain things. If you come to Christ and you give them up, you're not going to be happy. It's going to be boring and all these things. And all you're going to do is go to church and meetings and pray. And, and they even say when you get to heaven, all you're going to do is play on a harp and a cloud and all that. It's bogus. It's bogus because the Lord has given us so much. We have joy. We have fellowship with each other. We have so many blessings. And the devil doesn't want people to know how good it is to be a Christian. So he's got to deceive them, and that's what he's trying to do every day. But that's why the Lord is still calling people today, follow me. And yet so many people are not following him. It says in Scripture, many are called, but few are chosen. And the ones who are chosen are the ones who have chosen Christ. You know, God never chooses people to go to hell. He chooses them to go to heaven, and he chooses everybody to go. But only certain ones will go to heaven who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It's kind of humorous, but one day there was a certain scribe that came up to Jesus, and I'm sure he was very smiling and happy. He says, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And he probably expected the Lord Jesus to say something like this. Great. Come on board. We need you. We need people like you, scribes like you. I need you among my disciples. Did he say that? No, but guess what the Lord said to him? The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He laid it all out on the line. Every person who got saved in the, in the New Testament knew the cost of following the Lord, and that, he wanted that man to know. He says, you want to follow me? Look at my, what I'm going through. I don't even have a place to lay my head. Jesus used to sleep out on the stars up in the, in the hills and so forth. Many times he didn't own a home. He didn't have a vehicle like in our days, a car, but they had horses and donkeys and things. Jesus came to love us and to die on the cross for us. And praise be to God that he wants us to follow him. But there's a cost to it. Someone once said, before you heed the call, count the cost. The Lord doesn't want people to come to him who haven't counted the cost because there is a cost to being a Christian. Now, in our country today, the cost is very, very low compared to many countries. If you're in China, if you're in one of these Muslim countries of the world or so forth, you can lose your life for becoming a Christian, especially publicly and being baptized, as we said. But praise be to God, even in our country, there's a stigma. As soon as you mention that you're allying yourself with Jesus Christ, people all of a sudden look at you different. All of a sudden, they say, oh, you're one of those. You're one of those born-again Christians. I think it's fascinating now because we have the presidential race, and I'm not going to say, you know, I'm favoring the Republicans or the Democrats. No. But one of the candidates that's running in the primaries right now is a born-again Christian. So you notice a lot of the commentators on Fox and other channels are mentioning the vote by born-again Christians and evangelicals, they're saying. And who's going to vote for this one? And who's going to vote for that one? I say praise God because they're mentioning it and they're getting it out. The Lord knows how to get his word out over TV, radio, through the public proclamation of the scriptures, through us individually. And he wants us as his followers to spread his word. So there is a cost. We sang it in the song this morning. What will it cost me to follow the Lord? Everything. And that's what it is. But when you give your all to him, you give your heart, your life, and everything, you don't regret it. You say, I'm happy. I would make the decision all over again. Thanks be to God. So that's the call to follow 
Christ. Now we have the commitment to follow Christ. Once a person has accepted Christ, there is a commitment. It's like when we have a wedding here at the church and Adel gives the vows and the person repeats them. Do you take this woman or do you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband or wife? in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, till death do you part? And they say yes, and they put a ring on, and they pledge their commitment. Have you pledged your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? As Lord and Savior, not just as Lord, Savior, but as Lord and Savior, as the master of your life. It involves a total commitment. I love that verse in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Since we're in Luke, just turn over to 9.23. This is one of the most powerful verses that the Lord Jesus spoke about discipleship. And there's many in the gospel of Luke that he records about discipleship. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, is that a heavy commitment or what? First of all, you have to deny yourself, and that goes against our human nature. That goes against our flesh right off the bat. And then he says, beyond that, not only to deny yourself, but take up your cross daily. Ginny sang about that in her song. It's no coincidence the Holy Spirit worked that in, that we have a cross to bear. Our cross is our association with Christ and the trials and difficulties we go through. Are we willing to take up our cross? And Luke is the only one of the gospel writers that adds that word daily in there. I love that. He adds daily because we have to do it daily. We have to take up our cross daily, hourly, by the minute, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. But listen to what it says in the Amplified Version. This blew me away totally when I read the Amplified Version. If Mike had it, I'd have him read it, but he doesn't have it right next to him at the moment. So I'm going to read it. It says, if any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself, disown himself, forget, lose sight of his interest, refuse and give up himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living, and if in need be, in dying also. Isn't that powerful? That's what the verse says in the original Greek, because that's what the Amplified does. It takes the original Greek and expands it to bring it into English so we can understand that. That's why it takes so many words to say a shorter verse like that. That's powerful. To do that, to just surrender all, give it up, and follow Christ, not too many Christians, even Christians, are willing to pay the price of everything. But may God help us to accept that challenge today. And it's very appropriate, I think, because we're now in January. It's already the 20th of January. First month of the year. We're starting off the year. And it's good to remember these things. We just had a baptism. And I was looking up on my computer the other day. I spoke about following Christ two years ago, and it was after one of the baptisms. And I said, well, it's not on the same text, and the message is totally different. The subject was the same. But praise be to God that he wants us to have this commitment that, he's, that we will say this. And if you can say this this morning, say amen. I will commit my life to following the Lord Jesus Christ wherever he wants me to go, whatever he wants me to do, and whenever he wants me to do it. Can you say that? Amen. I can't hear you. Amen. There you go. Thank God wherever, whatever, whenever. 
Now, that's a commitment. When you have a commitment like that, that is the kind of commitment that the Lord wants us to have, that you're willing to do His will, His perfect will, whatever He asks you to do, no ifs, no ands, and no buts. We're good at those excuses sometimes and putting those in, but the Lord says no. Whatever He asks, I'll do it without complaint and without excuse. You know, I love to sing that song, and we've sang it many times and even recently. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The second verse says, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. Third verse says, though none go with me, I still will follow, no turning back. Can you say that today? Though none in your family go with you, none of your friends go with you, nobody goes with you, will you still decide to follow Jesus? And then the final verse says, will you decide now to follow Jesus? It doesn't say, will you decide later to follow Jesus? It says now. Will you decide now before you walk through the doors today? Will you decide to follow Jesus, accept him as your Lord and Savior, walk with him, follow him every day of your life? The Lord Jesus is looking for a few good men and a few good women to be his followers in this world today and share his message with others. Now, I read a, a story that uh, I'm coming to in just a second. But first of all, a man named Art Turlock said, there is a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you do it when circumstances permit. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. And isn't that true? If you really want to do something, are you going to let anything stand in your way? No. A little pain, a little, no, you're going to go out and run, or you're going to play basketball, or you're going to go and enjoy some nice picnic. It may not be perfect weather, but you want to do it, or go swimming, or whatever it is in life. But when you're not fully committed to it, no, we better not go today. We better not do this. We better, better, I better not do that. Commitment versus interest. Yes, that is the difference. Yes, the Lord's looking for a few good men. Now, there's a story of three military recruiters. This is the one, Vince, I was telling Vince that I had an illustration for him today and get ready for it. Three military recruiters went to a high school to talk to the high school seniors. Each recruiter had 15 minutes to make his case. The Army went first, then the Navy, and then the Marines would be last. So the Army guy got up there and he talked, he made his pitch. Maybe it was Vince, he was there. And then the Navy man went after that, and guess what? The Army and the Navy took up so much time. <laughs> Sorry, Vince, but you were talking, trying to convince these people so much, took up all the time, that all they left left for the, for the Marine Corps representative recruiter was two minutes. Two minutes. So the Marine Corps gentleman gets up there, and he stands there looking at his audience for 60 seconds. Didn't say a word. Looked at his audience for 60 seconds. That's half his time, right? Now he's down to one minute. And once he finished that 60 seconds and started to speak, he said this, I doubt whether there are two or three of you who are cut out to be Marines. But I want to see those two or three in the dining hall as soon as we're dismissed. He turned around and sat down. After the meeting, he was waiting to see a couple of people show up. A mob showed up because he put forth that challenge, that commitment. Oh, not very many people can do it. You can't cut it to be a Marine. And Marines, I've, I love the Marines. I love all of them, Vince, believe me. The Army, the Navy, and the Marines. But there's something about those Marines, man. They are committed. They are committed. And they put in that 
effort, and all our service people do. I thank the Lord for them, but thank God the Lord Jesus is calling for a commitment like that, that you're willing to say, yes, Lord, I want to be among. If there's only going to be two or three, I want to be among the two or three. I want to be among the few. They say the few, the proud, the marine. That can be said about the Christian, but we're not proud in ourselves. We're proud of Jesus, and we're humble in serving him. Yes, life is short. The opportunities to serve him are very short. May the Lord help us to be committed so that we take heed to the call to follow Christ. And then we take heed to the, call, to, the, to the commandment, the commitment that he has given to us. And then finally we see that we take heed to the commission to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, before the Lord Jesus Christ went to heaven, he made what was called the Great Commission. He said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, he said this, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Praise be to God, that was the commission. And I remember when the Lord Jesus spoke to those early disciples who were fishermen. Peter was a fisherman, his brother Andrew, James and John, they were fishermen. And when the Lord called them, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You're not going to be fishers of fish anymore. You're going to be fishers of men. And did you know that that's a responsibility that every Christian has is to be good fishermen and to go out and find souls that need the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to look very far. They're at, at home. They're at your work. They're in your neighborhood, at stores. Wherever we go, we should be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's given us all the resources we need to take heed to that great commission to bring people to the Savior. It is a great privilege, and it's a great responsibility to tell others about the Lord Jesus. I tuned in to Brother Stanley today, Dr. Charles Stanley, and he was talking about this very subject. I said, thank you, Lord, for confirming the message in so many ways. And he was talking about being followers of Christ and going out and taking the gospel wherever we are. And he was talking about missionaries and how they served, and I thought it was really amazing. He put up on an overhead showing even in some of these difficult places in the world, in the Muslim world and in Europe and, and all over, how many people have gotten saved and how many churches have been planted and so forth. It's amazing when you see it and you think of it because we look at it and we say there's only a few, but really it's a lot more than it ever used to be. And thank God for television and radio and broadcasting the gospel that we can be a blessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we're service servants of the Most High God. We're servants of the King, and He wants us to be in His royal service and to be sold out for Him. So we have this morning the call to follow Christ. We have the commitment to follow Christ, and we have the commission. And when you have those three things, the call, the commitment, and the commission, you can go out and you can live as a follower of Christ in this world, no matter what happens. Because even in that song Jenny was saying, I mean, we're tempted to give up. We are tempted to give up. When things get tough, I'm going to quit that job, or I'm going to, I'm going to leave that, I'm going to sell my house, or I'm going to do this or do that. No, let's stay the course. Let's run the race that God has set before us. Let's be followers of Christ, willing to do his will whenever, whatever, and however he asks us to do it. May the Lord encourage our hearts today. One of the hymn writers said it very well when he said, where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, 
I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. Can you say that today? I'm going to go with Jesus all the way until that time where he says, come on, come up to heaven, come home, and we'll all go home to be with him together. In conclusion, I'd just like to share a, a quote by a man named Roy Wilkins who said something very interesting. He said, it's interesting to notice where Jesus found some of the folks who became his friends. For instance, he found Matthew busy collecting taxes at the custom house. Nathaniel, Nathaniel he found under a fig tree. Peter and Andrew at the lake. The Samaritan woman at the well. And the thief on the cross. Jesus will find you. And he may not find you today because if you're running away from him and you're not accepting him, but he's going to continue to come after you because he loves you and he wants you to accept him. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to give your all to him and make that commitment to the Savior. May the Lord encourage us today to say, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And may the Lord use us as individuals and as a church to bring people to the Lord and may he help us to be obedient to him and willing to serve him every day. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the simplicity of this message from your word today, follow me. But it's such a drastic change, Lord. When we come to know you as Lord and Savior, you change our hearts. You change our lives. You give us salvation and eternal life. You give us peace and hope. And we can know that if anything happens to us today that we're going to heaven. But if there's any here, Lord, that have not accepted you yet into their hearts as their Lord and Savior, may today be the day that they invite you in and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior and commit my life to you. Lord, someone could pray that prayer today, Lord, and be saved. And what a joy it would be for the angels in heaven and for all of us as well. Please, Lord, help us as Christians to heed your call, to heed the commitment that we need. Help us to be committed Christians, Lord, followers of you, wherever you send us, wherever we go. We thank you and praise you in your precious name. Amen.